This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 135, The Mentac Coalition Strategy Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. You call that stealing? That's not stealing. That's stealing. Oi, good day, mate. How about you give me one of them there uh, trade goods before I blast you out of the sky there, mate? Good day. Hey, mate, how you doing? Uh, yeah, this is a good old-fashioned highway robbery, so hand over your wallet and uh, maybe I won't kill you. Yeah, that's right. All right, thanks, buddy. I'll see you next time. All right, cobber. Hand over all your wallabagollins right now, or I'll shoot you in the muck hole. That's right, you're being robbed. This is a stick up, and in, in I'm a big old robbery man, and I'm here to te- steal all your trade goods. <laughs> and uh, I think I think you heard a couple of my compatriots there, and we're all here sticking you up, and I uh, hope that's all right with you. But uh, we're just going to go ahead and grift you. What do you say? Yeah, well, I will, so what I will say is that it uh, was a bit confusing audio-wise sure. as far as what's happening. <laughs> um, I have gathered that I'm being robbed. The only problem is that can't rob me through the internet. Um, uh, Hunter, that's really specifically untrue. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> People super duper can rob you through the internet. That's true. That, no, you're right. Now that I hear myself say it out loud, I hear, I hear what you mean. Um, yeah, well... Uh, Come get some. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I had to Bill so okay. So this is our second attempt at this episode and as part of the of the kerfuffle that arose, Billy, uh one of our uh happy dappy weird bears offered to uh, throw some stuff together in the meantime while we were waiting. So that was some contributions from the community. Uh, you know, gotta gotta give a shout out to Billy and Robofish and Raptor and Yeldrick. Uh, so I think Yeldrick is a, actually Australian, and that was his take on how he would, how he knows how his he friendly. would do an impression of himself. <laughs> well, his was you'll note the most friendly, where he was like, "All right, thanks, uh, buddy. See you later." <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that must be the the proper way to be uh, robbed by an Australian. Uh, yeah well you know i've never experienced it um and i've never i've never been to australia but maybe i will Mm -hmm. uh maybe i will sometime we've actually been talking about um a possible new project (laughs) um that's sort of like have you ever seen the trip those movies with steve coogan and rob bryden Uh yeah um so it's called space cats world tour (laughs) and it's uh we're gonna be kickstarting it soon Uh, it's a movie film Uh, where big movie too. Yeah, uh, I would time. like a huge distributor. We're, we're um, sitting on a Hulu contract. We're gonna see if we I, decide to sign. I don't know. They're they're not making the right offers though. Right. Um. And I c- I could try and email uh, legendary pictures. Um. <laughs> I know a guy that knows a guy, mm-hmm. and he says that he might know an email related to legendary. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking, you know, we send that email. They pitch. You know, what billion dollars is probably gonna take. Probably. Yeah. Um. And then me and Matt uh, spend a year traveling the world and playing Twilight Imperium with uh, with everybody we know. Seems pretty good. And it's filmed. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking big cameras. Higher I'm thinking film crew. Reds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big cameras. Is that what you said? 
Yeah, just like the biggest cameras we can get. I don't know. What's like, like the What's like the cool big camera right now in uh, Ari in... Alexa Mini? The uh, Alexa Mini. Yeah, yeah, we'll get the Mini. The Mini. That's the what big is it, one. LF. Uh, it's like a cons- it's like a prosumer grade, like wicked awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, man. But it's a mini. Uh, yeah, it's the mini LF large frame. Oh, okay. It's a right, it's a cool. tight little package, but a mm-hmm. big it's a big old frame. Big. It's scary a beefy frame. tight package. Beefy is that what you're saying? Pack- it's a beefy it's package. Tight and beefy. I like that. Yeah. Speaking of beefy packages, uh, Hunter, you and I played some 14 point <laughs> games last weekend, and we're actually going to do an episode coming up. Those games were full of beef, by the <laughs> way, so that, that was very apt. <laughs> um, but either way, we're not going to like go crazy in depth, actually, today, because uh, yeah. this Galactic Council episode idea is crushing it, <laughs> and so there's like basically no way Homebrew is going to make a comeback. Those those are what the Galactic Council... I believe. Yeah, I okay. believe in Homebrew. Sure. Um, but uh, we, we I'm did I'm drinking wanna... my own Homebrew right now, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Hunter says that because I am specifically drinking my own homebrew <laughs> beer. Thanks, Hunter. Um, so, w- but we don't want to kind of like spoil the amount of content that could go into that episode. But it's right. it only seems fair to kind of give a at least an update of our perspective. Well, you have to talk about your. I game am required because it was, by law. It was the talk of the to, town. Yeah. Well, no. First off, there were four games that were talk of the town, and mine. Sure, is there just were many one talks of, of the town. Yeah. But yours, yours was huge, hugely controversial yeah. player. Uh, Matt Martins, the sure. yeah. I now have the, an asterisk to my name because uh, in my game I was win made. I was win made in the fourteen point tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm a finalist. I get to play on uh, on May thirtieth. But uh, but did by I earn the, it gr- by the grace of the table? By the grace of my to. God, Duke Lukem. <laughs> I was <laughs> <That's> granted. <laughs> I was granted admission. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go, uh, go, go to explain it, because I will make jokes about so, it. So, please so okay, uh, we're, I'm going to skip over a lot of the game, and there was a lot that went into the, the the way things happened. So this, I don't want this to sound like we're discrediting decisions that were made, because I actually we'll talk don't about feel it more that way. It, right, on, we're going to go way more in depth. But yeah. suffice it to say that in my game, uh, we had a player named Olo, who's very well known uh, on the other on the Tabletop Simulator Discord. In fact, I think Patience is one of the people that said Olo is probably one of the best players in the world. Like, Olo and Mantis are, like, the two best players in the world, is the way I've heard Patience put it. Mm-hmm. So I was very afraid going into this game of, of what Olo would do. And then Olo got Sar, and Olo had a really amazing early game, and it was kind of like, oh, we're getting, we're going to get slapped uh, in this game. Yeah. This is over already. And then uh, Olo suffered some pretty bad luck in the mid-ish game, and... Uh, in retaliation for his game kind of getting, you know, really squashed and, and kind of thrown out the window, uh, he he retaliated against myself and Duke Lukem, who were kind of the two players who won big swingy combats against him and more or less crushed his game. Um, so an endgame scenario turned out where um, Olo started kind of working for the soul player, uh, Panda Boy, who, who helped Sara's early game get off to such a good start they kind of had some some back and forths that led to olo getting quite a bit and Mm -hmm. so in this end game scenario um for whatever reasons olo decided to start um like pretty overtly start handing the game to the soul player uh they they did a support for the throne swap uh and then they took politics and the penultimate round and um basically for nothing gave the speaker token to the soul player um, you know, they, they can say they did a swap. They received some sort of promissory in return for it, but the, 
at this point, you know, Sar's chances were done. But they gave the speaker token to Soul, and then in the final, uh, in the penultimate status phase, uh, the the last objective, the literal round nine or eight, whatever, the final objective was revealed to be two techs in four colors. And maybe it was the second to last. Anyways, what ended up being the final objective was two tech and four colors, which Soul, it's that classic scenario where Soul needed tech to be played for them to be able to score that point. And so what you so often see, like, for example, in in your game, Hunter against Trump SC, when you played Mentac, Mm -hmm. that happened for like two or three rounds where like all someone needed to do was take tech. And then nobody like, is that right? Or am I thinking of a different game? Regardless. No, 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 no. I, uh, that is correct. Yeah. Um, in that game, if someone had taken tech, they would have just given away the victory to somebody else because you can't win with tech. Right. Um, however they needed tech to be taken. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So that's a toughie. So Sar Olo, uh, gave speaker token to soul. Soul ended up being able to get Imperial, uh, turned it out. Uh, it, it turned out that soul themselves had the public disgrace i kept kind of crossing my fingers that public disgrace was out there didn't come out and i knew well either sar or soul has that public disgrace so in the final round soul has imperial and then as the next pick the literal second pick was sar picking tech which was just even more just like yes i'm giving the game to soul like i'm 100 percent doing that and and they were giving every signal that they were not going to stall it out they would play tech their very first action just before imperial went and on soul's turn they would win so we knew Soul was going to win this game due to what actually amounted to like a two to two and a half round concerted effort from Sar to hand the game to Soul. So not just a like, I'm trying to king, ma- you know, oh, I don't know who's going to win and I don't want to be a part of it. But I guess if I'm forced into a win making scenario, it'll be this person. It was like, no, 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 no. This was a targeted <laughs> approach to win making Soul. Uh, and so... Due to that, you know, we, we we spent a couple actions trying to see if there was a way to take out Soul's, like, home system or maybe even eliminate Sar, which would have caused Soul to lose their support for the throne. Um, because when oh, Sar right, is eliminated, right. the, the, the card is essentially deleted. So we were looking for opportunities for that. But once we kind of counted it out and saw that it wasn't possible, when it came to my first action, which was actually just before Sar, I, I made the offer to Duke Lukem. I just said, hey... I, I will respect your decision here, but I'm gonna I, I'm one point away from winning. And I have two tech and four colors locked up and I have you know, like whatever. There's there are ways for me to win in the status phase. Um, but this has been completely taken away from me. And so I'm just offering you, you know, maybe you'll give me the support for the throne. Because Duke Lucum was also showing frustrations against uh how Olo was kind of acting in the last two rounds. Um and to my surprise, Duke Lukem took me up on it. He said, why, Matt, I happen to need 10 trade goods for my final two points. So I will take, <laughs> I will give you my support for the throne for 10 trade goods, which is the exact the- kind of deal that Sar and Soul had been making. I mean, they had done this like sure, three yeah, times yeah. of just this like, yes, I'll give you the thing that you need if you give me something that I could use. But like, right. none of that was a thing. So... It, it's been, I think there were, so there it's were actually, been. It's been, there were four, <laughs> three or four different win make scenarios in this 14 point tournament, which I think when we get to the 14 point like overview episode, I, we're going to have a pretty long conversation about win making and specifically sure. win making in 14 point games. Cause I think it is way more likely given how you can actually get to 14 points. Um, yeah. So 
there were like many, many games in this tournament that did that. And it sounds like mine is the one that's actually getting the least kind of strife from the community. I think people kind of understand and respect the decision. Now, I'm sure Olo probably disagrees. I don't don't think he loves the tactic, but I I mean, there's no bad blood between us or anything like that. We, you know, we were laughing at the end of the game and and it is what it is. But yeah, that's how I found my my path to the finals in this very weird, crazy tournament. I want to tease an idea real quick because I want to try and um, I want to try and turn your your sin ultimately mm-hmm. your dirty dirty sin <laughs> sure. and and Duke Lukem's sin too. Yep. You yep. guys are both sinners. <laughs> um, now uh, you've been marked with the black mark <laughs> with the black um, asterisk. <laughs> yeah, with the the black as- asterisks. Um, uh, to try and make some good of this, mm-hmm. I do. It did get me to st- or the weekend in general got me started thinking about the idea of counter king making as a kind of mutually assured destruction type strategy as far as king making goes. Well, essentially the idea being if it gets really popular to counter king make, like let's say the, the way it works is the second someone proposes any kind of king makey deal, most tables will just give the game to somebody else to spite the fact that two of the players tried to king make. Yeah. Um, I think if that became the meta i wonder if if basically king making would cease because it would just be like well if we try and go down that path then we know what happens the table essentially elects a new king and i will say from a personal perspective i think if if someone goes that direction i do feel better about the idea of me just picking someone else even if it's not me and even if i'm the one that's just deciding right because it's like all right well if you're gonna play dirty if if somebody decides to lower the threshold for play then i think everyone should kind of dirty their hands for the game yeah and i think that is a fun idea to explore anyways i'm not saying i'm promoting some sort of thing but yeah it's it's sort of like it is the counterplay i mean it is it is the thing it's your only tool against that sort of thing so yeah hopefully popularizing it might actually not increase the rate of win making but in fact decrease it because there is now a retaliation for it Mm -hmm. so i i want to hear at least a little bit hunter of your game as well um but then we want to get to this mentac guide but i'd like the highlights yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll keep it really short. Nothing. I mean, nothing quite like uh, how your game turned out happened uh, in mine. Um, my game was uh, I, I would say pretty pleasant. Uh, it was me, uh, Strict Nine, Robofish, Aviator, um, Root, and Jahan. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing as Mintac, which uh, lucked out. And hey, look, we're talking about Mintac today. Yay. But um, it, and I didn't pick Mintac because of the guide. I literally they were my second pick, they're and good, I was yeah, they're a good pick. fourteen point faction to be sure. Um, Jahan ended up with L one Z one X, and I've noticed. Um, <laughs> although I I feel like we've we've called him out before on the show for being aggressive. I guess by <laughs> we I mean me, and he's hit me up to be like, hey, I'm not aggressive. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to say pudding. he's a. I'm not going to say he's aggressive. Uh-huh. I'm just going to tell you what he did. Uh, so, And then you just decide for yourself whether this sounds aggressive. Uh, so he eliminated Root from the game. The only uh, elimination of the tournament. There were a couple the only eliminations of the tournaments, But this was the one where it was like, no, 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 Root, you leave now. Also, I played a practice game with Jahan where he effectively eliminated someone in our practice game. Like he wow. didn't completely eliminate yeah, them, but, but he, he did effectively did. Yeah, yeah. So I'll say something. The thing about Jahan is he does make the kind of space risky elements of 
T.I. look pretty important because yeah. it wins him games. He right. won a practice game, and he did uh, ultimately win uh, this game as well. Yeah. Um, and I will say, though, we kind of, me and him, I feel like, played a similar gambit, which yeah. was uh, we specifically just set ourselves up to score some stage twos, yep. but could not cover all of them. And so it made the game really long. Yep. Um, he was set up to score two and four color, which was something I was never going to be able to do. Right. Um, well, it's funny that you was... say that because game five was a game five, I believe, that like famously had uh, someone getting the most ridiculous Mentac tech I've ever seen. Not to say that that's like you could oh, pull right, that right, right. off, Hunter. Like he took tech six different times to get men like more tech than I've ever seen. But anyway, so... I, I just want to call that out. I will say this though. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I could have gone down that path. My strategy, and and we will talk about this actually in the guide later. Um, but what I elected to do was to try and have speaker advantage yeah. over Jahan in the late game. And actually, in the end, I should say that uh, Robofish and Strict Nine uh, also somewhat had paths sure. in the end. Um, sorry, Aviator, I don't know. I think there I think there was a world where Aviator won, and in fact, I had to give Aviator the speaker token in order to, like, for me to it. have speaker advantage yeah. over everyone else. Um, so who knows how that could have played out. But um, overall, I was stuck at 13 points for three rounds, yep. just could not score. Um, there was a three-tech spec objective that I just could not find, um, basically, no matter how I did it. I even was able to... Uh, Jahan had a, like a ridiculous uh, PDS network yeah. that was able to get rid of. And then it turns out it still just didn't really matter. Like it yeah. still couldn't help me. Um, but yeah, so I sold out. Um, Jahan won through some very, uh, very solid uh, like plastic, yeah. basically. He he prioritized plastic and was, and was able to uh, definitely get the upper hand on um, Root. And also he was just kind of playing that game where he was all over the map with like pretty solid fleets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I'm sure he'll eliminate you, Matt, in your game. Probably. My, then... uh, literally, my goal in the draft, uh, I don't have. I mean, they're they're doing the um, the faction and map reveal uh, tomorrow from when this episode is released. Um, but I already know that the regardless of factions and everything, my only decision I'm going to try to make is to sit not next to Jahan. <laughs> that has, is my absolute number one goal. Right. Has he specifically said that he was going to eliminate you? Every or single player in the game has said they're going to eliminate me. So that, uh, okay. that's a bygone conclusion. So, so Jahan actually will. <laughs> Jahan is the one I think actually would pull it off. Uh, everybody else, yeah. I think they would find distractions, but Jahan would be like, no, 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 I'm going to take his stuff and then still uh, win. So I, I'm, I'm certainly actively avoiding um, sitting near him, I, I would yeah, like to yeah. be opposite. Not to, not to say that he's aggressive. Not, not sure. I wouldn't no. say that. Yeah, I would. He just never. might eliminate I... you. <laughs> not like in an aggressive way. Oh no, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. In a non a non aggressive elimination. Right. Based off like a diplomatic elimination. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Like with all like his plastic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With a with, diplomatically. With the, Pa- plastic plastic emis- oh. they're emissaries yes. matt right. they're not fleets mm-hmm. they're 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 emissaries they're here to dis- to discuss it's Your a elimination <laughs> yeah so okay let's uh let's transition then into uh mentac proper i i i so last time i'm the one who kind of covered uh mentac but i was pretty excited to get hunter's take on it because hunter i feel like you've been changing as a player sardak mm-hmm. nor the sardak nor guide 
changed you. <laughs> and oh, yeah, yeah. so I've been very my curious. My faction, baby. Yeah, I've I've been curious how you would handle Mentak and and you're the one who took the lead on Mentak. So, um I'm I'm real I'm real interested to see where we where we end up today. Um but let's let's kick it off with some just overview. Let's cover yeah. all the faction materials and and whatnot. Let's do the boring stuff. So, um, <laughs> your starting units, um, you are a one carrier faction. Oh, boo. boo. <laughs> um, so, you got one carrier, four infantry, two cruisers, three fighters, uh, and one PDS. Um, notably, that is the same start as extra. And I only noticed that because we did extra last right. and we j- tend to copy paste the thing. And I was like, oh, I don't have to change anything uh, <laughs> with that. Uh, although, obviously, it's better for Mentac than it is for mm-hmm. extra because Mentac's better in all the ways. Um, your home <laughs> system is one planet, it is a 4 1. Um, that's good. We can that's afford great. tech round one. Yeah. Uh, we have two abilities. These are the sexy abilities mm-hmm. of the game. Probably two of my favorite abilities. Ambush is the first one. At the start of a space combat, you may roll one die for each of up to two of your cruisers or destroyers. Don't forget or that. Or destroyers. Yep. Don't forget that uh, in the system. For each result equal to or greater than that ship's combat value, produce one hit. Your opponent must assign it to one of their ships. Yep. Um, so yeah, this is great. It's a pre-fire ability. It allows you to double up uh, up to two of your cruisers. Is like, I mean, people most commonly use it with cruisers, but it's worth noting that with Destroyer 2, uh, you're getting the amount of pre-fire you're yeah. getting is excessive if they have fighters, of course. Right. Also, um, the their starting tech is plasma scoring and Sarween tools, which is red-yellow, which means they're mm-hmm. also one tech away from PDS-2 all game, which means like a PDS-2, Destroyer 2, and some cruisers, like the amount of pre-fire with ambush included in all yeah. of this that Mentac yeah. can do is actually kind of insane. Uh, you, you kind of don't even have to hardly do space combats if you set it all up right, especially defensively. We would probably call them like the pre-fire faction if yeah. it wasn't that they have such a strong theme yeah. around piracy. And the second ability I'm going to tell you about, which is called Pillage. Mm-hmm. This is probably the most infamous ability that they have, or maybe one of the most infamous abilities in the game. Um, after one of your neighbors gains trade goods or resolves a transaction. That is the important part of that one, too. Always remember, even if, even if no goods are exchanged, you can still do this. Um, if they have more three or more trade goods, you may take one of their trade goods or commodities. So yeah, a little, a bunch of little things to note there. Um, but basically the idea is that the Mentac, they're looking at the whole table, they're watching for every single transaction that is happening regardless of what kind of transaction it is, and they are gonna try and take, um, some Some people like to reframe it, uh, not as piracy, but more as a tax. Yeah, the Mentacs. Um, yeah, and I think that's maybe that's maybe maybe a good way to think about it. Yeah. Um, to just think of it as something you're owed that right. just has to be paid to you. Um, their flagship is one of the best in the business, yeah. and I actually kind of come around more on it. I feel like as time goes on, I used to not think it was that great. Right. I don't remember how well it performed in our very very good flagship episode <laughs> where we rolled dice. Um, uh, certainly not good enough because uh, no, definitely most not. didn't. Um, yeah, so it is called the Fourth Moon. Um, its ability is that other players' ships in the system cannot use sustain damage. Right. Um, it hits two on a seven, uh, movement one, of course, and capacity three, like normal. Yeah, that um, ability is so good, specifically yes. because it directly counters 
some of the really best factions in the game. Uh, it, it directly yeah. counters more than anyone Barony because mm -hmm. Barony's big thing is if they get non-Euclidean shielding, they can sustain two hits. They can soak two hits on their dreadnoughts, but this completely removes even that. So you you just absolutely destroy Barony's kind of like primary advantage. Um, the yep. same goes for L1 Z1X. It's kind of a counter against Soul. It's decent against, I would say, Jolnar, who likes to favor yep. dreadnought fleets. Yep. Yep. It is yep. obviously... Yep soul crushing to muat to have a mentak in the game that's the worst thing that can ever happen um so yeah just in general lot lots of i mean it's it's very good my preference is for it to be a defensive ship i love leaving it in just my home system um first of all just because i don't like putting points out on the board right as with any flagship right right but right, right. defensively it's really crazy if you've if you have set up a pds grid this combos with graviton laser systems so you can pre-fire kill dreadnoughts and and you know other flagships and war suns and stuff oh so and that's i mean that's pre-fire across the board though. right right you know ambush I mean? will like do it too if you if you have mm -hmm. your flagship two cruisers and a pds network sitting in your home system like nothing's getting through <laughs> Not, yeah. nothing will yeah. take your home you don't need to worry about the infantry on the ground because the space combat will never be stopped yeah I will say I have gotten a little more confident in using it offensively too. Sure. I, I was able to use it offensively in uh, my 14 point game. And even with, you know, we were just talking about Jahan's excellent plastic presence and ghost was going blue, red mm. with dread twos. Interesting. Um, so there were a lot of good fleets, um, and my fourth moon fleet was, n and and I I did not go dreads by the way. We're yeah. going to talk about dreadnought mentac. Um, however, I just went traditional cruiser twos. I yeah. maybe had uh, destroyer twos as well, um, but it was you know I wasn't being fancy, and I felt like I was able to to basically tango with anybody. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't even feel like my uh, flagship was that. Um, you know, open like yeah. I, I, you know, you're putting you're putting a point on the board. Yeah, if someone can win the space battle, right. and I just felt like no one could. Yeah, yeah. So I felt safe. Um, let's talk about their promissory note uh, because we're probably not going to talk about it much more than this. I feel <laughs> like the the general. It used to be we'd talk about that you could maybe give this out, and I feel like I've kind of turned on it. I don't yeah. know about you, Matt. Um, um, I think there are situations, but um, I mean, so just the example from my 14 point game this weekend is. Uh, Duke Lukem handed it to me um, as Jolnar. He gave it to me as a Jolnar player, which is like, oh, oh that seems not great because Jolnar can can really do a lot if they have free reign on trading. But his yeah. whole plan was to use it as a lure me into a false sense of security, and he tried right, to attack right. me right away. Now, there's circumstances that came around that helped me out in that. But, yeah, I, I don't even think it's a very good version of that, like compared to support for the throne, where it's like, I give you support for the throne, and then I get in your face, and oh, are you right. going to sacrifice a point? It's like, you know what, if it re if it became a problem, of course I would sacrifice promise of protection. So I don't even view it as like a threat. So yeah, giving it out has to be a pretty perfect scenario and like the a, a really good high price. Well, I even remember when when uh, he so well, let's let's read the text of it real quick. And then sure. I want to say something yeah. about that. Um, so it's called Promise of Protection. Uh, it is an action, which is notable. Uh, you can do some pretty mm -hmm. lame stall tactics with it. Um, but the action is place this card face up in your play area. While this card is in your play area, the Mintac player cannot use their pillage faction ability against you. If you activate a system that contains one or more of their units, blah, 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 return it back to the Mintac player. Um, so what's interesting is I was actually watching the game whenever that happened, and yeah. the second Duke Lukem gave you Promise of Protection, all of the commentators were like, well, there's no way Matt can keep that. 
And yeah. it just goes to show, like, I don't know, like, sometimes you can. Right. Like, I kept it all game until right. uh, essentially the very last round when I then needed to start taking Mentak territory. But I kept right. it almost the entire game. And I bring this up only to a little bit say that those commentators were overconfident, um, and but also to make the point of... Uh, that you as a Mentech player should not be overconfident that, oh, I can just give Promise of Protection out and then I'll definitely find a way to force them to give it back to yeah. me. Because you were playing as Jolnar right. and he didn't even figure it out. And this is Duke Lukem we're talking about. He's smart. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had really bad early luck. I'm not going to try to set, set yeah, it up yeah. as though like I outwitted him. I, I, right. I had the perfect action card to stop his plan. But beyond mm-hmm. that too, I mean, I was able to manipulate my plans around ever needing to activate Mentech's stuff. Right. Um, let's talk about salvage operations. This is the first of their two faction tech. Um, this is the lesser of the two, but they combo together so beautifully. So much synergy. Maybe the most yeah. synergy between any two faction techs. It's like my favorite path, I think, out yes. of any faction, just because it's like the whole thing is clean. It's beautiful. It's very much so. Uh, Isarl's path, which it's funny because we're going to talk about Isarl soon, yeah. um, is I think very similar in that both the faction techs are in the same color yeah. and they combo. They literally go together, it right, feels like. Right. Although this to a more extent. Way more. Um, salvage operations. After you win or lose a space combat, gain one trade good. If you won the combat, you may also produce one ship in that system of any ship type that was destroyed during the combat. Um, so obviously the really important part is that that first part of getting a trade good. Mm-hmm. And maybe that doesn't seem that important because like, oh, that's like high cost. Um, at the In the late game, especially in a Mentac type game where you're going to get mirror computing, yep. salvage operations is one of your very reliable ways to continue creating trade goods. Yeah. It's a desperate way to do it, but it gets the job done. It's the only faction in the game that can generate their own trade goods, right? The yeah. only other ability that like just gives you trade goods really is like is Souls or I mean Jolnar's Erez siphons, which right. like you have to be targeted by that. Um, so right. Mentech can proactively just go out and get trade goods. So if you're sitting at eight and 10 trade goods comes out, all you got to do is go launch two random attacks, send a destroyer, and you don't even care if you win or lose. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Right. You're literally just getting the stockpile to sit on for the late game. So, yeah, they're, the o- they're like the only faction that can definitely get those objectives whenever they want to. And combined with pillage, a lot of the situations where salvage operations is going to be a thing, you're not even going to have to use it as much as you think you're going to have to. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, look, I got a pillage I didn't expect because somebody had to do a a transaction. Okay, cool. Now I only have to do salvage like once to get the objective. But it does give you the leverage of basically like, I will always be able to score those. Even if I have to really stretch myself thin and it's kind of ridiculous, like I can make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's reliable. Um, and if we, I feel like we just made that sound really good. Oh, also the produce thing—that's good sometimes. Uh, yeah. There was a really cool strategy. Actually, I'll let you take this one, Matt, because I actually didn't think of this. But um, what's the dreadnought thing? So the most interesting thing—I mean, the, the most interesting thing you can do with salvage operations is um, this is what Luke uh, did in our game, and I have genuinely seen it like three or four times. So this isn't just to be like a weird loophole thing. This is like a actually this kind of happens a lot, which is to say you can do mm-hmm. a fight and. Uh, if you when you win the combat, you get to build a ship that was in that system. So if you attacked a dreadnought, you can build a dreadnought, and that happens just before bombardment. So you genuinely do see uh, Mentak launch these attacks. If you have make an example of their world, like you have this kind of like extra ability to make that happen. I don't think right. Mentak builds a ton of their own dreadnoughts like at home because you are 
in most situations not getting gravity drive so your, your dreadnoughts will be too slow to keep up with your stuff but building them on the front lines is a huge way to to get them out in in the field right so even if you're not doing it for this like goofy i build it and then i bombard your world i get the hit i score the point that's like the fun crazy thing you can do but in general right. Building the dreadnought, like waiting to build a dreadnought until you win a fight with salvage operations is pretty juicy. Um, also yeah. worth noting just as a, as a kind of a be beginner step, the salvage ops will not. First off, you can't use Sarween tools. It's not a right, production. Right, right. It is producing. Those are different things. That's kind of confusing. And second, no, you cannot build a war sun if you kill one unless you have the war sun tech. Um, so even though it says salvage operations like specifically says um, any ship. But that any ship doesn't count a ship that you don't have the tech to build. So you don't get to build a war sun unless you have it. But the dreadnought thing, I think that's the most useful way to, to use it, honestly, is For sure. never build your dreads at home. But like when you're out doing crazy stuff and you get a really good ambush, then build that dreadnought out with the rest of your stuff. And it, it helps you defend that system you just took. Like let's say you took a weak system, then you park a dreadnought right above it with your two cruisers. Like that is suddenly a really scary fleet to defend with. Um, so you, you, you can do a lot with salvage operations. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think it's one of those texts that people, um, people used to sleep on it. I yeah. feel like, and yeah. actually we by did. people, I I'm going to say we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like the last time we talked about Mentech, we probably downplayed it. Um, I think it is, it's one of those texts that you're not going to get, you're going to get some utility from it every single game. Yeah. However, sometimes it's going to be the thing that saved your game. Right. Um, yeah. let's talk about. The, the elephant, way, yeah. the elephant in the room, <laughs> the big, big, bad, scary boy. It's mirror computing. Yeah. Um, probably the best faction tech. Probably just the best tech in the whole game. I think what so. What do we think? I think it's worth yeah. calling it that. I, I like to give Erez a shout out here, but yeah. the whole thing about Erez is it's passive. You don't actually have control over it, whereas mirror computing just works it's just a passive ability that you have right. and, and doubles your money with trade goods which we've just said you have multiple ways to just kind of like automatically get trade goods so it's actually quite ridiculous that mentac has this ability when they're the only faction that gets to just spawn their own trade goods so the yeah. idea that you can send a destroyer into a fleet lose the fight and gain two dollars from that because you get one trade good that's worth two resources you can turn yep. one destroyer into two more destroyers Right? right now there's a command counter involved in that and there's a whole we can have a whole class on economics about whether or not that's worth it but the fact that you are able to do that is pretty wild yep um so i'll read the text of it real quick so when you spend trade goods each trade good is worth two resources or influence instead of one um this applies to objectives mm -hmm. that is the big important part that's um, the most that's the critical part i would yeah, say that's <laughs> it's, the critical it's, part. it's like the whole plan we're going to set up for the end game with regards yep. to 16 resources and influence that those things are a cakewalk for man yeah. a couple edge notes well actually this first one is an edge at all um this doesn't work for trade good objectives so if it right. says it needs 10 trade goods it doesn't need five it yeah. still needs 10 yeah um it doesn't work for their action cards that specifically state you know that so like focus research you still have to use four trade goods right. it says four trade goods right. uh bribery doesn't make your trade goods worth two influ like right. it, you're not you're spending them as influence which is or sorry, how does you're spending, it how does bribery? It you're spending them as trade goods for each trade yes. good that you spend. It's a vote, so it's not the same exactly. as your influence votes. It is a trade good vote. So yeah, it is. It is kind of a confusing 
aspect of that. But yeah, if, it, if any component specifically mentions the trade goods, it's still one trade good. It's only when it says resources or influence that it, it counts as, you know, being doubled. Which, like, whatever. It, yeah. it counts <laughs> for the victory great. points. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, and, and I think I even get why you would nerf it in these edge cases because it's, like, so good overall mm-hmm. that it's like, come on, don't worry about it. Yep. Um, last thing we got to cover, uh, just because it hasn't been said yet, um, they are a two-commodity faction. Big whoop, who That's cares? They could be a zero comedy. Yeah. yeah, they don't even need it. Um, they're going to make so much money regardless. Although, not to say that you don't like making money the normal way with trading right. commodities and stuff. Yeah, the two um, commodities can end up being very important because it's kind of, at the very least, it's your foot in the door, right? It's like, yeah. hey, we can do a trade... And then I'm gonna pillage on top of it, so don't mind that. Right, but right. but like the the fact that you get to at least have a say in the matter, it's pretty critical that they they have that. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So let's get to it. Early game strategy card pick in time. Um. What do we got? Okay, I'm gonna start with leadership. Well, actually, no. I want to do some overview stuff uh, first because we are. Let's let's make sure we've got everything figured out. So yeah. we are a one carrier faction, right? Which means obviously we want to do the secondary of warfare. I don't have to say that over and over. We we basically we want to do that. We okay? want to do that. It's, yeah. it's we need a second priority. carrier. Yeah, and we, we need, need a second, second carrier, carrier to do something this round. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, we have a tech problem, um, which I actually kind of missed in the overview, but I'll explain it now. So salvage operations uh, takes two yellow mm-hmm. in order to to research. Mirror computing takes three yellow. Um, I would say almost every game we want salvage and mirror. We definitely want mirror yep. for sure. Right. You could make, make an argument that you want transit instead of salvage. I'm not going to make that here, but somebody might make that argument. Sure. Um, I don't think anybody's going to make the argument that mirror computing isn't that good. You don't need it. Nope. You should get it. Yeah. How, so it's a similar problem to what we have with Isarl in that yeah, we are encouraged to so. sprint down one path, yeah. Yeah. Um, which means we kind of need a lot of tech. So ideally, I want to tech and do warfare round one. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do that? Well, let's talk about it. So first, leadership. Um, I rate this one a middle pick. Um, I rate it higher than I normally rate leadership. Okay. Because uh, I think I'm a little leadership averse. But because what I just said, we yeah. need to do warfare and tech, we have a... We have a a need for CCs in the first round. We can't get away with, I mean, we definitely have to do warfare, I think 100%. Tech, mm, yeah, maybe not, um, but we but we want to. Yeah. I don't know, we got to, yeah. I feel like it. Um, I would say politics is a secondary to consider if you're not getting neural round one, mm-hmm. we won't always do that. Um, but neural, I think, is a strong contender for best round one tech pick. Yeah, um, it's going to get us to cruiser two in round two, and that's great. Um, construction is a good secondary to do if you're going for PDS two. Um, what are some other things we like about leadership? Well, I my favorite like? thing about leadership is at the very least we can add one extra token to our tactics pool, and with those mm-hmm. two cruisers, if you're we, right. your first yeah. two actions could be moving your cruisers into really, really choice territory where we where we become adjacent to like everyone on the map, and if you can do that mm-hmm. before trade pops, it is now a known variable variable that mentech is a part of the trade negotiations right right you have to factor me in and we'll talk more about like how all that goes later but at the very least getting that one extra token it's great to have basically four total tokens two for your carriers to go take planets and two for your cruisers to go be a part of trade deliberations um, right, right so so if you're doing leadership 
at least one of those should probably go in tactics. The other two yeah. could maybe go into secondary and maybe you do a ton of secondaries or maybe you bank them. Banking command counters is never going to hurt you ever. Um, so Even just getting some early pillage yeah. can be really choice. Yeah. And, and don't think... So I will say there's a lot of like just talking value when it comes to um, this game lately. Uh, and I would say round one it is important to get some plastic out as Mentac, yeah. and it might be worth wasting, wasting in big air quotes, yeah. a command counter in order to do it. Sure. If I can send a cruiser to reliably get one pillage, remember, we start with four resource, yeah. so our yeah. tech is taken care of if we want to do that, and we have Sarween. Right. So we only need two trade goods Total. in order to have For enough the whole money round. to get... Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's big. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. And, I mean, and that's obviously genuinely we would like, easy. We would like more than two. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying two, but... Two is just what you should shoot for, and then after that, you're good. Yeah. But if we get two, at least we've got the carrier out there. Yeah. So round two is going to go a lot better for us. Um, let's talk about diplomacy. I am basically rating this one a zero, which okay. is a very different thing from yep. the last, last time, time we talked about Mentac. Yeah, last, last time, time we talked we, about Mentac. Yeah, go ahead. We, we were, first off, we have obviously become more and more jaded about Diplo, even to some people's chagrin, right? Well, we still get comments nowadays of people being like, I feel like you all undervalue Diplo. And I think mm -hmm. that is a fair critique. I mean, everybody's going to value it slightly differently. And I think we're decently hard on it. But I, I think our so our last guide was like Diplo top pick if you have a green skip, because the whole point is you can use the green skip, refresh it, and get Cruiser 2 round one. But looking mm -hmm. at kind of the value of everything, it just doesn't it doesn't work out. Because um, you're 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 giving up quite a bit of value to the table. That's like the big thing with Diplo, and we, we can kind right. of we could go down a rabbit hole discussing that, but the amount you get out of it is less than probably the table at large. Um yeah. but so even then, the two cruisers that we're getting are only going to probably optimally be able to take one system anyways. And if we're using our one carrier and our two cruisers to take two systems, those two cruisers also aren't getting into great pillage territory. So we're missing that opportunity just to get a second system when we could have focused on getting that second carrier in the first place and done the thing while also getting a cruiser out there. So positionally, Diplomacy just doesn't make sense if you're doing that crazy cruiser two round one thing. So that's right. me walking back my previous uh, recommendation to do cruiser two round one. I think it's still flashy and goofy and fun. And in a game with just like me and my goofy friends, I'll probably still do it. But if we're doing like a tourney game, I'm not going to do cruiser two round one. That is a that is a huge overstep and yeah. um, hurts your plastic game. It's going to like set you back in multiple different ways. So I, I don't see the value. I want to be able to send the cruisers to different places. Yes. Because I feel like even a single cruiser with ambush is pretty scary yeah. round one and round two. Yeah, most so people, it's them, hard for people to even have like decent fighter screens. Um, mm -hmm. Some have it and some don't. So you, you can you can scare people, <laughs> that's for sure. It, it, makes, it, it makes a lot of um, pretty straightforward like, uh, okay, so one dreadnought versus a cruiser with ambush is even a little scary. Like, yeah. that's almost a coin flip Yeah. to where it's like, ah, oh, geez, uh, I don't know that I actually want to do that. Because, right. um, I mean, even a cruiser killing, a, even it being a draw, you technically won because they lost a Dreadnought. Right. So right. Um, they've lost more value than you have. Um, another, this is a much lower point than everything we've said. But the other thing is that I think even as last pick, 
because you start with red yellow and can easily get to PDS2, which I'm not necessarily going to say that Mentak is a PDS2 faction or it's something that you should stress or that mm-hmm. it is a high priority for you, but construction isn't a bad round one pick right. because, because we're going to get some use out stuff. of PDS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing is I can't even really make an argument for if your last pick going for diplomacy. And again, I just like, I always get so sick of taking it and then seeing everyone else get way more than I am out of it. And because yeah. the thing is, yeah, you're skipping to cruiser too, but guess what you're skipping? You're skipping neural to yeah, get to it. That's not great. That's not good. Yeah. You're, you're excited to now be behind with action cards uh, when I, I feel like that should be a priority. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this time we're, we're not going to recommend it round one. Um, I want to go ahead and move on to politics. So politics, I'm going to say is actually, and this kind of hurts me because I love politics. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say is below leadership. Yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not last, but I, I would slot it definitely below the it's like middle. Fifth pick, fourth, something fifth? like that. Fourth, fifth. yeah, something like that. Um, so I mean, you can you could definitely get the. So one thing that's nice about politics is I would say if you take politics and you get those action cards, maybe you don't need to even get tech round one, right? Um, except for the fact that so, well, okay, maybe you don't have to get neural round one is yes. the way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so your action card situation is going to be fine. Maybe you want to go for De- destroyer two before you go for cruiser two. Destroyer two can get a lot done um, with Mentac. It is really really nuts the combination of its AFB plus ambush we will talk about that more later um it's not necessarily getting you any planets which isn't great Mm -hmm. um but it's definitely uh it's definitely a good way to go into uh round two as far as politics goes i I think the best thing about politics is in that situation where you are something like fifth pick and it's like well it's between politics construction or imperial or diplo like i i don't love any of the choices politics is fine because at the very least like hunter was kind of saying you can actually just not tech round one save some command counters be a little bit slow play get warfare off play politics i don't think i would sell the speaker token honestly because i'm gonna pillage i'm gonna make money I, i don't need to sell it um and i can guarantee i get tech next round which means i can catch up from not getting tech this round i know right. that i will just get neural and cruiser two next round and be fine i could do that first action probably based yeah. on all the money i'm going to make this round and the planets i'm going to get this round so i think it is a slow safe pick but that's why it's a little bit lower on the list is like there's a lot of other things we can do this is just the final backup plan it's also worth noting that if you take politics round one you don't have to uh, research tech and can take tech round two into neural and cruiser two, the like first action. Right. So right you could even set up your cruisers and be like, all right, here's what we're going to do next round and it'll be great. Yeah. Um, let's talk about construction. So construction, I think is our sixth pick. Yep. Um, it's fine. It's maybe I'm a little upset. better. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not upset to do this as a sixth pick. If I'm dead last, it's like, all right, fine. I'm going to get two cruisers out in my slice, and maybe I have even more incentive to go PDS2 whenever I feel like it. Um, yeah. I, I, I am not afraid of construction last pick like I am with some factions, at the very right. least. And, uh, you know, forward dock, not a bad idea. You sure. only have one space dock in your home system. I will say space dock 2 is not out of the way for you and True. is probably kind of useful, actually. 
Um, especially considering, so one thing that I feel like I run into a lot with uh, Mentech is having a lot of money that I just can't spend, even yeah, if I wanted to, right. because I'm getting uh, stuck as far as production right. goes. So don't get stuck. Um, I will say, though, I personally like, because Mentech is so strong in the early game, I like having a forward dock that's a little more playful yeah. than your standard just like right in front of your home system forward dock. Yeah. I like I like the next to Mechatol home uh forward dock with uh Mentag. Yeah. Um do yeah. you prefer right, a dock round one or I I think I'm a little bit more in the camp of just go ahead and get two PDS down round one. Oh yeah. Just yeah, just I'm, for myself. I, um I, I think it gives you a little bit more leniency to be kind of weird in the mid game like a little uh-huh. leave yourself kind of weak and in the new world we live in where majin is decent if you have structures on planets spreading out those pds everywhere you go is never going to really backfire on you yeah and also you are not you're not a a boy you know you're not a people on planets type yes. uh faction you are you're going to be spread kind of thin when mm-hmm. it comes to that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, we've kind of already said that we're not super hot on transit because salvage is so good. It's yeah. not that transit is bad. It's that we like salvage. salvage. rules, yeah. Um, so you're not really going to have um, a very good concentration of infantry. Uh, so you need to be plopping down PDS, especially PDS on tech spec planets, yep. planets that you can imagine are going to be important. Uh, I'm saying that just for Aviator because I'm kicking myself uh, still <laughs> that I did not do that in our 14 point game. Right. Um, he actually talked me into it. That guy is really good at talking people into stuff. Um, anyways, let's talk about trade. Okay. Um, so trade is interesting uh, to me because... So as time has gone on, I feel like I've come around to this idea that Mentak is sort of like uh, Hakan or Jolnar. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about this idea before with them, which is that, so Jolnar are associated with tech. Do they want to take tech themselves, though? No. Probably not. It's kind right? of like the, yeah. it's the anti-pick. These are the anti-pick yeah. factions. They have a strength, but that strength is actually diluted by them over doing their thing they're great at because they're so great at that thing that they can instead plug holes elsewhere yeah so that's how hakan um, and jolnar feel what's what does that mean for mentak so mentak i think i would for most of the game rather not have to take trade myself and instead use pillage to get to kind of leverage my way into the trade discussion mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about that later um as far as so i just want to kind of lay that out as a general principle round one this is all going to be very contextual. Yeah. So I put trade in the center, but it's kind of wildly swingy. Right. It could um, be like your second to fifth pick. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's somewhere in the middle based off what you think your pillage options are going to be. Mm-hmm. If you can get some pillage round one, like we said, there's really only two two trade goods that you need to come up with. Right. If you can come up with more, that's awesome. Um, and so it just kind of depends. Uh I feel like if you can't get any pillage, then I definitely want trade um, for sure. Uh, if you can sneak your way, it, like, okay, so it depends on, let's say someone else uh, took trade round one. Obviously, you don't get to take trade, but mm-hmm. what I mean is, depending on where that player is, now I can sneak over there yep. and pillage off of everything that's going to happen to them, which is great, um, especially round one, although people do hate it. Uh, so I would say you'd rather not take it. However, if the options aren't there, uh, like 
let's say one thing I feel like I run into a lot with Mentech is because I don't start with anti-mass, yeah. uh, maybe there's an asteroid field right where I would love to park my cruiser, mm-hmm. but I can't do it. Um, maybe I don't have any wormholes nearby. Um, maybe the only <laughs> the only faction I could get next to is somebody like Muat uh, that isn't scared of my cruiser at all. Yeah. Uh, and ambush isn't going to make the difference with them. So it just depends contextually. Um, what do you think as far as trade goes, Matt? I, I agree that it's not something I... Speci- I think throughout the game you probably want it. But round mm-hmm. one, I don't think it does me enough favors compared to any other strategy card that I could pick. Um, I, right. I, I think it is only going to get me like three more dollars than I would have gotten, which three more, I mean, three do- I'm not saying three dollars sucks, but I just think there's other value could, you could be getting elsewhere and trade when here's the thing is people don't like you. They don't like right. you being a part of trade. So when yeah. you take trade, you already have everyone being like, yeah, I don't care. We're not going to work with you. And so you're you're already in a situation where you need to get out with your cruisers anyways. Like you're still planning to pillage with trade. And that's just not how trade one, trade round one feels. Trade round one is like a, you and me, buddy, let's do this thing. And maybe everybody else owes me one or whatever. But but Mentac just doesn't get the liberty of of that sort of like let's all play nice um because if you do that it just doesn't it, it doesn't help any of your benefits um, right so yeah i i think inserting yourself into trade negotiations is always better than trying to start them yourselves because your two commodities suck and so the idea that you're going to do trades with people doesn't really track i will say this i think that what is nice about it so let's say you have trade what what sucks is you're basically gonna um you're gonna send one cruiser uh and then your other two command counters are for your carriers Mm -hmm. and then you're gonna spend your other you're gonna also do secondary so you're you're spending all every single you're tapped out yeah yeah that's that's the however it's definitely the problem you do get to put yourself in a pillage situation um under like kind of the flag of just wanting to trade, yeah. which is kind of cute. Right. It's just you're able right. to say, hey, this cruiser's here. It's going to pillage in the future. Maybe this round one, I'm not going to pillage ship. you. Wink, wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is fine. Um, okay, so let's talk about the big boys, the yeah. the the number the number two and the number one. Yeah. Uh, so Warfare, I'm going to put as uh, number two, sec- I, and I kind of call it second top yeah. because they're almost, I would say Warfare and Tech are almost tied. They're almost always tied for yeah. basically every faction, but I feel like we have some very good reasons to make the case that the this is the case for Mentech. Um, I would say the way we use Warfare for Mentech is kind of your slower, it's not an aggressive way. It's yeah. the activate at home, build the carrier, unlock, and then move... Uh, the new carrier. Yeah. Obviously, we have to move out our first carrier first. You could even do... So, what's nice about it is... And I think, Matt, you described this in the the dress rehearsal of this episode. <laughs> uh, it's like you move carrier out. Yep. You can move the cruiser out. Yep. We can activate at home. Build the... And key. then warfare. Right. Your fourth and action you is warfare. So, that's stalling yep. probably one person out, maybe. It's not stalling what you want, but you know what? cut your losses you you need the carrier more than you need them to not have the carrier well i would say this this is a case where i maybe want to do the politics secondary because if we draw a stall yeah ooh, we could we can really stuff. ruin round one yeah, for definitely. a lot of people at the table yeah um so then what about technology because because warfare seems pretty straightforward it's all about the second carrier but but if we get tech 
there's always the conversation of are we double teching or are we single teching and how are we kind of shaking everything out? So what's your opinion here? Yeah, so I'm going to propose a kind of conservative approach when it comes to double teching. uh, And then I'm going to say probably not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's let's or maybe I'll even say it stronger. Definitely not. Mm -hmm. Um, Our plastic and positional situation is not good enough round one to justify spending six resources to double tech. Um, cause like we said, it's like, I mean, with pillage, you're, 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 how many pillages are you going to get round one anyways? Right. right. So like in this world where you even can, you probably just barely got it. So you got six, uh, and then that's all you're doing. And that just seems a lot for cruiser two round one when you already, so in this world where you got to double tech, the only way that you got to pillage is because of a cruiser, right? So right. you've already sent one out anyways. So what are you even doing with that second one that's so important right. that it is worth double teching? So I would, uh, don't bother. Don't do it. Right. Get your single tech. Do uh, do warfare. Obviously, you can't get stalled out, which is great. I actually think this is what makes it the best yeah, for, for you them. You go after warfare. You have plenty of ability to, to not be stalled out by it. You're probably going to be fine. You have yeah. room to do the secondary of politics, just like we said with warfare. So you mm-hmm. you, you can get those extra stalls too. You, you just have a lot of safety here. Yeah. And I think um, overall, if you just think about pure value, because uh, people can't trade so much in round one, um, unless you're Hakan, uh, what I feel like it adds up to is that you you really struggle to get a lot of pillage. You can, I think, reliably get a pillage off, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. two pillages off, right. but you're not getting a whole lot. So value-wise, technology uh, is worth, what, the four resources yep. that it would have taken, uh, and then you have another four to, sp- to spend on plastic, and that sounds like a really good deal. Yeah. We're coming into round two ready to get Cruiser 2 or ready to get PDS 2 or whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. it is that you're going for. Um, I think... This is the the number one, yeah. and and it's you know that's not a revelation to say that tech sure. is a top tier pick, but for men tech it most certainly is. Yeah, yeah. Bullet bullet Definitely. point right there. Yeah. yeah, and then last case we have to look at imperial, and as always we kind of nah. have to say no to imperial, but it is worth noting not to say sure. ooh imperial round one, but it is worth noting that men tech is certainly a secret objective faction. They rule at a lot of the secret objectives, so I don't know if you decide to get crazy fancy get imperial or we never say like if you're playing a four player game which maybe we should do that more often but mentac as a last pick in a four player game with imperial you are not upset at that at all because the, the quicker you get secret objectives the better and it's just worth noting that you are a secret objective kind of faction i think mentac right. very easily scores most secret objectives so i don't know if you want to get weird go ahead and pick imperial but it's certainly sure. not <laughs> it's, it's certainly not a recommendation make your edge case but i still think construction is better yeah definitely um, in almost almost every way yeah. um okay so let's talk about early game problems um obviously we don't have a second carrier that's not that hard to overcome though and we've outlined we've done a it. lot of pretty yeah. easy ways to do it <laughs> yeah we've done it it's done um however and this is probably this is the worst problem um the table doesn't really like you already pretty much from the onset uh, mentac does not have a very good reputation because anytime someone picks mentac the game has a specific feel yep. 
just based off the idea that Mentech is in the table. They are worse the table. than Necro in this regard. Like Necro uh-huh. is the other popular faction. People are like, I don't want to have to deal with Necro as my neighbor. Nobody yes. wants to deal with Mentech being at the table at all. So you are already yep. the most, like as a baseline, you are the most hated person at the table, period. Yep. Um, and what's interesting about Mentech when it comes to objectives, they are in some ways... Uh, hyper capable of objectives that are very difficult, nigh impossible mm-hmm. for some factions. However, they are not that good at control objectives. Now, we are going to talk about an experimental tech path that might fix this. However, it's wildly untested. And it comes at a cost, um, I would say, too. It, so it, it does it's come not at a cost. Like they just, it's not like this experimental tech path just makes it work. Oh boy. Like there, right. there's other things you're missing out on when you do that. It so may you're, you're or picking may not and be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about, uh, when it comes to tech, uh, which we're actually going to get to next, um, we are recommending kind of a more traditional approach. Uh, because Megan Defense Grid uh, has kind of upped the yellow-red uh, stock. Yeah, Megan got uh, I cool feel like, recently, huh? Megan's a pretty yeah, cool chick. <laughs> pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool lady. Love her. Um, now, I feel like even stronger about the kind of traditional Cruiser 2 mm-hmm. into yellow-red uh, path that I feel like Mentech has been on for a while. So what this means is that control objectives in the later game is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, ambush and Cruiser 2 is only going to go so far. Um, however, it's control objectives are weird with Mentech because in the early game, in like round two and three, it feels like we can kind of sneak them yeah. maybe faster than anyone else can outside of like maybe ghosts. It right. is actually very similar to a ghost situation where it's like, oh, you might be kind of thin later, but mm-hmm. if you go ahead and get it now, you'll be fine. Um, so we want to go ahead and make sure that in the early game, we are prioritizing those control objectives. Get them as quickly as you can, mm-hmm. score them, get out of there, do whatever you got to do. But Mentech is not the type of faction that ever really gets to send a huge mass of infantry to like blow up, you know, yep. the Aaron Amir and, and, and take Mir and get the tech spec. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen like that. Right. So you just have to keep that in mind. So I would say as far as objectives go, your number one enemy is like a control objective coming out round, like for the last stage one. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Um, if it comes out early, you really got to just plan your whole game around. We got to get that scored. Because honestly, the tension with a Mentac game is kind of upside down in that I feel like when I play Mentac, there's more tension in the early game than there is even in the late game. Yes, that's a lot why of they times use... mirror computing... Yeah, go ahead. That's why they're kind of one of my favorite factions, because that's how I play as a baseline is like the mid game. I'm doing everything. I'm trying to make stuff happen. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Mentech get to do that. And then I get crushed. You know, I get thumped on in the late game because I didn't back anything up. But that's just like innate to my style. And Mentech, I think, very much works with that kind of style. Right. Um, another thing that's really important to mention before we get out of this early game discussion is that when you're playing with new people and you're playing as Mentech, you need to get a feel for what the how the table reacts yeah. to pillaging and Mentech in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and this now we're we're kind of going a very um, oh I don't know how to describe it like a very North American way to talk sure. about this. Yeah. Um, but. If they are the type of table that is going to flip on you for pillaging, it's good to know that early. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to have to figure out what what your response to that is. Uh, we might have to soften up pillage. If somebody's just going to take you out of the game over a couple trade goods, 
uh, it's hard to deal with that, yeah. but there, but you might have to figure out a way to lighten up the heat. There's right. a lot of heat on Mentac, and we have to make sure that we're not overemphasizing it so that we can coast into the victory in the late game. Because yeah. honestly, that's what a Mentac win feels like. It almost feels like, all right, we already did the work, and now right. for these last two hours, I'm just going <laughs> to reap the benefits, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I think that first round point is huge. Um because this is especially true in like tabletop simulator meta where like, okay, if you're playing with your home group and you all know how each other plays and you know, Jared picks Mentac and we all know how Jared is like, yeah, that, that gets to come in with a bunch of known variables. But when you play with strangers and when you play in tournament settings and things like that, you don't necessarily know how everyone feels about things. So kind of sussing out people's vibes on pillage rounds one and two is pretty critical and, it, and it's like a poker thing you got to like sit there and read the table and figure out how people are are eyeing different you know mechanics and, and eyeing different objectives uh so i i do think that is a critical thing to do in the early game is le it's a less mechanical thing but it is just how do i feel about these players and how do i need to adapt my pillage play throughout the entire game because that can mm -hmm. change from game to game and you you don't get you don't have the privilege to just like decide that nope i'm always going to do this i think this is a take that uh brian uses a lot where it's like pillage is assumed and you should assume it and i'm doing it no matter what and right and shut up about it and like that that can be correct but like lot a lot of metas will bounce off of that and be like i hate you so now i'm going to crush your game because you just kept pill pillaging me even and and like brian will just take that to his grave like as he's getting eliminated it's just be like i should be pillaging anyway <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great <laughs> i i i think it's like for me personally as a player i think of pillage as um it's just like a a time it's like a half point of leverage in everything yeah. and i'll forfeit it you know what i mean if, yeah. if i just if i just need to give somebody if if somebody just needs a cookie right i will forfeit it yeah we're gonna talk about it helps with the deal specific yeah. tactics here in a bit i, yes. I think we should get through tech first because that's going to help yeah. lay out kind of what our plastic situation yes, looks yes, like yes, yes, yes. and then we can really get into that like what does pillage mean and how do we work with it so hunter tell right. me tell me about tech yeah let's talk tech so we decided to do it a little differently um for this guide. Uh, we're not so much uh, all about paths, yeah. and we're not even gonna talk about skips really so much. Right. Um, we're gonna let you kind of assume where the skips are, yeah. but honestly, there isn't a whole lot to skip. It's yeah. a pretty tight path, you know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot I wanna cut out of this. Right. Um, the three, like, kind of top-tier techs that are kind of the backbone of the strategy are, well, number one is mirror computing with Have a bullet. I, yeah. There's no way to write mirror computing out of the guide, there's no way to that. It it just is the way to play yeah. Mentac. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cruiser two, uh, the utility that you will get out of that upgrade is uh, redonkulous. The mm -hmm. combination of ambush plus Cruiser two, allowing you to uh, sneak your infantry into undefended planets or planets that are lightly defended, uh, is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, salvage operations. We've kind of already lay down why salvage is so great but the fact that you can continue to create trade goods in the late game makes you kind of unstoppable it's yeah. kind of it's that principle we were talking about when we were summing up the 14 pointers and talking about how when a stage two tech objective comes out a lot of times people will just quit taking the tech strategy card in order to lock people out yeah. salvage ops means 
people just can't do that type of play with you. Right. They can't just decide to stop trading because then you can just kind of slowly claw your Keep way to the yeah. amount of trade goods right. you need and it's right. too late. Oh, yeah. they they all messed up. Yeah. So um, all three of those are essentially requirements you're saying. So I, yeah. I think if we want to make some tech skip callouts here, it is obvious that a yellow skip gets us sure. to mirror faster. Yeah. Skipping Graviton isn't bad, but also Graviton's not bad. And the same can be said for Cruiser 2. Skipping Neural isn't the worst thing in the world, but also skipping Neural kind of sucks. So right. in both situations, yeah, the skip gets you there faster, but you also should think about how your game's going to play out if you if you do decide to skip it, right? That $1 me, might cost you in the late game. Yeah. Let me make the I'll, I'll make the argument for skipping neural. So yeah. it, so if you do what I think that should look like. Um if you're skipping neural, I think it's because I went I went a different direction with the tech first. Maybe mm -hmm. I went uh, down a PDS2 path. Maybe I went down a Destroyer 2 path. Maybe you sprinted uh, from your computing first. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I think, is the more acceptable way to do that. Um, I don't love those approaches that much. I think Cruiser 2 really shines in, like, round two and round three. Yeah. Um, however, I, I don't I don't think it shines so much that it, like, completely disqualifies those other approaches. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Megan and Destroyer 2. Um, this is kind of our hot, hip, new way yeah. uh, to play Mentac because one of the problems, the old school problems of Mentac is that two and two colors kind of sucks, huh? Yeah. It's not great. Rough. Rough stuff. We're sprinting down yellow and we got one green and one red. That's nothing. Yeah. Um, I think the old way maybe would be like, oh, okay, maybe we get Daxiv. Eh, that can maybe be a little useful. Yeah. I mean, we're not winning. A, like, straight up, I feel like most of the time, Mentac are really kind of path of least resistance when it comes to taking planets. Yeah. So I, Daxiv could pay off sometimes. Infantry 2 maybe could pay off, but we're never really going to, like, I feel like if somebody's like, I want to make sure Mentac can't take this, and I'm going to use infantry to do that. Yep. Well, they're probably going to get that yeah. done. Most, Daxiv and most infantry factions, 2 aren't going to, because anybody who's going to stop you is going to stop you through overwhelming you, and you don't have yeah. a tool against that. You just don't. Right. What I like about Destroyer 2 and, and Megan is that Megan uh, helps you be a little bit scrappier, mm -hmm. okay? We don't have to, yeah, so what? Our planets are mostly defended by one infantry, but now that forward dock is has got a little extra hit on it, a little yep. extra oomph. Um, yeah. Same goes for our PDS planets. That's fantastic. It, it also helps with the home system, which might be a little light at times, and also you're kind of a hated faction, so maybe, maybe somebody's going to try and move in on your home system right. early. Who knows? Um, Destroyer 2 helps us uh, even more stay competitive when it comes to space battles. And I feel like Mentac is really good at what well, they like. If you add in the fourth moon and if you get Destroyer 2, depending on the faction matchup, it's I feel like they are just as deadly crazy. as Barony, yeah. L1, the like big, the big hitters. Maybe Necro more even. so. Barony's yeah. strength is in how many hits they can take. Mentech's strength is in how many hits they can deal. <laughs> yeah. And and that aggressive approach, I think, is more significant. Can we just count out real quick the what Destroyer 2 could do for you? Let's let's assume just a little fleet of one cruiser and two destroyer twos. Right? This mm -hmm. is just a this is just a I wanna hurt stuff. I'm not taking any planets, or maybe I'm I'm bringing one infantry on my on my cruiser probably not because how many planets can you take with a single infantry i don't know but regardless one cruiser two destroyers and let's say i got two pds shots in range 
So I'm doing two on a six, maybe two on a five if they don't have any mass. Then I'm doing start a combat, my cruiser and one destroyer. So one more on a six if it's cruiser two and one on an eight with my destroyer two. So that's mm -hmm. four total shots, maybe five shots if the PDS had, you know, if it was two PDS with plasma scoring, whatever. We've done maybe five shots already. Then the destroyer twos get to jump in with AFB. That's six shots on a six for both my two destroyers. I have done like 10 plus shots before we've even started this combat and killed all your fighters. Defensively, this is even crazier. Add Graviton into the mix. Add the fourth moon into the mix, like you said, Hunter. Like All this stuff becomes right. Right. through the roof. All of it that compounds. stuff got done before they got to roll a single thing. You may be dealt... 10 hits i mean that that's yep. saying you rolled really well but you got to roll 10 dice or more and that stuff went through sustained damage uh the graviton got to avoid most of the fighters and then your destroyers cleaned up the fighters it, i mean it's buck wild crazy insane how good uh you can do space combat yeah yeah it's uh it it is ridiculous let's talk about uh pds2 um it's good also good sure we've talked about how good it is it's I, there. I feel like it's, it's not right as fancy there. That's the right thing there. about it is it's it doesn't take any thought. You Ooh, don't some... need it. Yeah. But it's there. Um, <laughs> what about so let's say just just as a fun thought experiment, uh first two objectives are two and two colors mm -hmm. and two unit up upgrades. Yeah. What what do we get? What's our tech plan if, if that is the case? Well, I I I mean if if that's the tech path, I think it depends on maybe our neighbors a bit. I I do feel like the cruiser two destroyer two is the better path, but mm -hmm. you can do cruiser two. If two tech and two colors makes it to where like destroyer two should be a known variable, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of why destroyer two is a good path because two and two exists. Um, so with two and two and two upgrades, you could go red first and right. and and stall out destroyer uh, cruiser two and mirror computing. I don't love that, but if you're wanting to build up a big plastic game advantage and you're just kind of getting those techs and scoring those points uh i think it is certainly possible to to make that kind of a path in the early game um i i think it's a huge toss-up on like positionally where planets are and what pds2 is going to do for you see i think if if that comes out to me the style i would go for is to basically play mentac like extra until mm, yeah. like round three. Right. Basically just going for, I'm going to slow roll it. I'm just going to like slowly try and steal some trade goods here, but I'm not going to flip my cruiser twos on. I'm going to play a slow red yellow. I'm going to get PDS2. I'm even probably going to get Graviton unless there's a, e a easy yellow skip yeah. available. Right. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably go uh, May, or actually, I might even go PDS2 first. Yeah. Then Megan, Destroyer right. 2 then you know graviton or whatever stuff. yeah yeah I, I i think the biggest thing that's difficult to navigate is how quickly you want to redirect into doing mirror computing because you need you mm -hmm. need to get it and you don't want to get caught off guard in like round five where you don't have it yet or something just because like you went for so much other stuff early oh yeah I think no that's way dangerous no way. and so yeah it's there's a little bit of part of me that is if the first two objectives are tech objectives, I probably make a plan to get one of them early and the other one I'm going to bank way later. Like I, I just know I'll do 
the two upgrades or the two probably the two and two colors honestly i'll probably say i know i can get two and two colors reliably eventually and i'm gonna plan around maybe round four where it's just like round four is when i'm gonna stockpile and sit on two and two colors and that's the objective i'll score that round that's i think that's how i would navigate that rather than sprinting for tech and then maybe costing myself in getting mirror computing too late i'm afraid of that well, I mean, I I feel like sprinting for tech would assure you mirror computing. Well, you know but the I mean? but the situation we're setting up is we're sprinting for most tech that sets us not in the mirror computing path. I guess is the, uh, is oh, the point. Oh, I I I I'm saying graviton. Yeah, you're you know you're I mean? saying graviton. So I th- I think that's a, a is a is a is a clean point. So so I don't know. I I just think. I think it. I think the end point is that Mentag doesn't necessarily love seeing those two tech objectives first. No, because there's I, I so much other 100%. stuff they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of throwing it out as a this is a difficult choice kind yes, of deal, absolutely. and I'm not sure exactly how to do it. Right. Um, but yeah, I I think pretending you're extra for the early game uh, isn't great. Nobody actually wants to be extra in the early game. Yep. Um, but I think I think it would be a safe way to play. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about yellow blue. Let's get weird. So. So this I, is not us. This, this is not is us. a pre-errata but, thing. But Green Flame and Patience as a Virtue kind of laid this out. Uh, there were some contributions by Pink. There were a few people that were all sort of pontificating on blue-yellow Mentac. Um, and I, I want to read this point by Green Flame that is sort of the summary of, of why this is a consideration. I don't like Cruiser 2 unless you find a way to get Carrier or Dread 2 as well. Who's going to be carrying your fighters and infantry to take and or defend planets? Transit diodes is amazing, but it's also once per round, so that's not enough. If you're not bringing many fighters, do you bring destroyers to take space combat PD hits, PDS hits for you? You're going to need like six command counters and fleet supply, and you'll have not enough destroyers left for gum, and you can only have one real fleet that matters, which is bad. This is basically all a line of thinking for people that think way more about the late game than what we're approaching, Hunter. I think what we're talking about in this guide is a mid-game heavy Mentac where Mm -hmm. we take risks that there are some players that are not willing to take those risks in the mid-game. They think it crushes their chances too hard, and they don't see how Cruiser 2s do them any good in the late game. And they're not wrong. Cruiser 2s are tough in the late game, but I think that minimizes how good Ambush stays all game. Ambush is still pretty good. I, I... I think I'll I'll make the point even more specific. I think fourth moon is my yeah. answer to to those to these, problems. Uh, yeah. Is that I I think their flagship becomes essential, and I'm not like you where I think it's only useful defensively. Yeah, I yeah. I want to use you it, get it offensively. Yeah. I want to get it out there, and I want my cruisers to support the fourth moon. And the right. fourth moon even, it, you know, it does have that three capacity. And what I like about so so one thing I haven't talked about yet is that. I always want to make sure, and one of the reasons that I want to make sure that in round one we're building a carrier is that I want to have carriers around with fighters yeah. that cruisers could potentially pick up whenever it is needed. Right, pick up on um, the way. So or... I kind of think of your big cruiser two fleet uh, has like kind of an uncanny ability to pop backwards, yeah. pick up fighters, and come back. So we're that's how we're making sure that we can take enough hits, yeah. essentially. Yeah, um, but the big argument here is that uh, maybe rushing for gravity drive and then immediately re-diverting into sprinting for mirror computing, or you could even flip it and go mirror computing right away and turn Mm -hmm. that mirror computing into a heavy plastic advantage. So you're leaning a little bit less on stockpiling for late game objectives, and you're more 
reinvesting mirror computing immediately into lots and lots of carriers, fighters, dreadnoughts, all that stuff. Um, and you're getting all of that way cheap. I mean, a dreadnought for two trade goods is pretty crazy. I think we can yeah. all agree. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. So this is leaning into a a economic space risk mentac compared to right. a fighty mid game heavy and then sit on our you know rest on our laurels late game mentac. I, I to me, blue mentac feels like a I'm here to pack a punch uh, with with big ships that are reinforced by ambush rather than like ambush is my scrappiness or whatever um so the the big thing is it's th this is another point from patience that sort of reinforces this idea is the problem with cruiser 2 and pds2 mentax is that while it can win some games it's not quite zeroed in on what mentac does best print money to build dominant fleets and score stage two public objectives right so right. he's e even more reinforcing get mirror computing as fast as possible because you can do so much and you you actually could play a mentac that does really well at late game uh area control objectives if you invest in enough plastic so it's basically just two different approaches and you're rolling the dice either way um because you're you're and maybe patience is has more wiggle room in the stage twos, but I think it has less wiggle room in pulling off the mid game. So it's just a choice. Um, and, and again, the blue yellow Mantac, I think is a little bit untested. I think in a 14 point game, this makes more sense. And that's kind of been the hot topic recently is, is 14 points are, are being played at the moment. Um, so I think it works more for that than it does for a 10 point. I'm a little bit afraid of, not making my ambush better and not and missing that opportunity to steal planets in the in the mid game. But if you play with a group that you know like really heavily reinforces stuff and gets their stuff quick, maybe you do have to do this just to counter that, right? Maybe right. that's where all this falls is just like a my group doesn't leave stuff open for Mentac to then come in and swoop up. Well, know? and and this this is making it sound like Dread Two has no counter. Uh, the, the, it's right. kind of a similar problem uh, of like, well, if they put a PDS down, then it's not like it didn't do anything it's not like for your Dread, you. Yeah, your yeah. Dread Two can't bombard through that. However, I think I actually would rather, if I were to rephrase this or tweak anything about it, I would say that Carrier Two sounds like the bigger upgrade. Yeah, to probably me, than I Dread think that's Two true. even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think being, so. Being able to just have fighters come along with your cruisers to do ambush and then and then soak hits and take planets, I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I think that yeah. can work, and and I think that's a good point, Hunter. If don't maybe if you're doing blue yellow, don't overthink dread two and be thinking more about yeah my cruisers are moving too with my carriers that move too, and those big fleets with plenty of fighters are doing you know quite a bit. Yeah. But I overall, though, I do think this sounds interesting. I wish I if I've if I had tried it myself or seen yeah. people do it and it work, um, then I'm down. I think this is one of those strategies that's difficult for us to talk about because it sounds like it's going to come down to how the economy of it all shakes out. And right. that is hard to just imagine without actually just testing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it this. For all we know, in a year, this is going to be how people play Mentac. And that's it. And it'll just be end of story. Right. That's just how it goes. Right. I think the other thing, too, is there's a little sense of this is one of our rare opportunities where we don't go blue tech. 
and it's just nice to do that, right? Because almost every <laughs> single faction is like a blue-green. You do blue-green, and you're going to do blue-green too, and you're going right. to do blue-yellow. And it's like, can we just this one time do red-yellow? Because we're just right there. We're sitting on red-yellow. Maybe well, it it's almost cool. feels like Mentac has special abilities to make that tech path yeah, work right. and to make it more viable. So it's almost just like, if you're going to go dread two mentac then why don't you just play why? a different faction right. and and i hate for that that to be the reason that we're yeah that's, you know what i mean like the opposite of our muat approach at least last oh, time oh yeah sure <laughs> but but still it's it's With muat it's like no d- make it not muat somehow yeah, please how please do we become turn it not into muat. something else <laughs> um it's the true. other thing while we're talking about it is the red yellow stuff hey or Sun Mentak. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, that that that's worth bringing up. It's hey, worth... and we've seen it. Yeah. Um, and it seems fun. It seems um, fun. I... Maybe not good, but fun. Definitely seems fun. <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's have our big uh, trade discussion. Yep. Let's talk about how trade works with Mentak. What what are what are some good ways to do this? How do you you know how do you make a bunch of money without making everybody mad? That's yeah. that's how. That would be how like to the make money and influence and not piss off people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not and, and not make them upset. So I'm just gonna kind of outline the way I like to do it, and yeah. then I think me and Matt are gonna talk about a couple different approaches. But sure. this is kind of this is the Hunter Donaldson Mentac method. Um, so the way I like to do it is somebody else takes a trade card. I've already talked about that. I don't really want to take it myself. I mean, I will if I have to. If I just got to get the money, but I want somebody else to take it. And then I want to be able to to pillage them and, and pillage everybody, obviously. You want to be able to do that. Um, however, I like to kind of come to the table because um, there there are kind of two, two principles to um, my style of play uh, that I always have to respect. Uh, one is I don't like things to take too long. I don't like an individual thing to ever take too much time uh, because I actually think it's unwise strategically. I think in general... The longer you take to figure things out, yep. and pillage is something that can take a long time to figure out, oh, how is this all going to work? How many pillages do I have to do? Right. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I think anytime you do that, everyone that isn't playing because you're taking so long to figure out your thing, they're they're accruing a kind of meta point against you. There's just a little bit of heat that's now being added to you. So the way I like to do pillage is I'll go to the trade person and I'll be like, hey, here's how many trade goods I would have gotten if you had traded with everyone and I had pillaged you on every transaction. So instead of us having to go through all of that and maybe some people decide they don't even want to trade because they're going to get because pillage is going to happen uh, and they don't want to feed me, I will just go ahead and ask for two less than I would have gotten. So I'm right. going to go ahead and give away two of, two of those trade goods I would have gotten from Pillage. We're not even going to worry about that. We're just going to let that slide. Yeah. However, I do want to get this much. The idea is that you're never going to make as much money as the person that makes trade, but you're almost going to. Right. And that's good enough, yeah. basically. The big uh, clutch yeah, go ahead. point to that for me is that you have to consider Pillage as having a cost. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so the whole point is Hunter is kind of suggesting a factor in that cost. And instead of costing yourself meta dollars, you get you you lose a couple trade goods, like two yep. trade goods. Oh, no. Yep. But at least you don't have the whole table's ire. Um, 
people talk, we talked about like Brian's example, and I think Blarknob kind of feels this way too, of just like pillage, man, whatever, forget about it. It's not a big deal. Right. And your right. table should just accept that. But that's just not how it always goes. Some tables don't accept pillage as a, as a normal. Um, and this is a way to introduce it as a normal by kind of softening the blow. And you have to compare pillage to the right kinds of abilities. So my big comparison is pillage is more similar to something like devotion from the yin or mm -hmm. uh what's my other big example hunter um oh uh, uh sarl's uh stall tactics right right stall tactics you don't use stall tactics every single round every turn or whatever you don't use devotion every single combat you have to weigh what it will cost you in the end pillage works the same way there is a cost to pillaging someone and it is how much they get mad at you so it, it feels <laughs> different than the other two costs the other two costs are pretty obvious a destroyer or an action card but you are making that same kind of judgment call every time you use pillage. So, so yeah, kind of factoring that cost into the total deliberations and, and, and instead coming out saying, you know what, I'm going to make it easy and quick for everyone and just say, I want $4 at the end of this, make that happen. And we're going to be fine. No pillage. And then we're done. Yeah. And yeah. then we don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to figure out how you're going to try and get yeah. around me. I'm just going to ask for a little less than I would have max. So, it's worth noting that if you're listening to this part of the episode and you're saying, well, that's not how it works in my group. Yep. You're right. That yep. isn't how it works in your group. <laughs> and you don't out. have to listen to this part. Yeah. What we are, the reason I'm putting it this way is because I think this is a good approach for when you are a playing on TTS with people you don't know, because that's something I do plenty frequently. A lot. <laughs> uh, uh, and B, uh, or just, yeah, maybe you've, maybe in real life, whenever that happens again, real, when real life gets back, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you're playing with, with people where you're not sure where they're at with Mentac and Pillage. Yeah. So this is a good way to really feel that out. I've got a couple more, uh, behaviors that I like to embrace as Mentac. I don't really pillage people if I'm in the middle of a non-binding deal with them. I'll give you an example of this. If I am doing a victory point control objective trade, which is always smart to do with Mentac because mm -hmm. you're you're not great at those anyway. So yep. you might as well try and figure out a way to trade some points to make it happen. If I'm in the middle of that and that's unresolved, I don't pillage. Even if they're doing something else, they resolve some other transaction. Yep. I'm not going to pillage someone if if they decided to flip, uh, they could get leverage over me. Right. I don't do that. I just let that go. And I think in general, finding the right opportunities to be like, eh, I'm not going to do that. You can also kind of do it as a like, so let's say the table is trying to deliberate to come up with uh, a way to stop your rival. Let's say you and two, you and someone else uh, have a shot at the game and there's yeah. an agenda that came out and it could, it could really hurt that player. Don't pillage. Right. Encourage them. Encourage them to do the thing that you want. Yep. Don't try and use pillage to <laughs> read literally, the room. <laughs> yeah. Read exactly. Read the room. And again, if you play in a group where pillage, where the way pillage works is, is it's automatic, then none of this applies. Just throw out everything I'm sure. saying. It's fine. Um, but I think these are practices that you could kind of embrace to feel out other yeah. players and their reaction to it. If, if you play with a game and you, if you're playing with a group and you quickly realize like, oh, these, these people don't care. They just, they, they all play 
to kind of max to optimize uh, their threat levels against each other and stuff. That's fine. Go ahead. Just yep. pillage them as right. many times as possible. Right. But I think if if the type of group uh, relies on this sort of mixture between negotiation and playing nice, um, then yeah, these are places that you could uh, yeah. that you could exercise that. Yeah, Hunter, you talked in there about leverage and that being kind of a big controlling factor in all of this, and and I do think that is a critical thing for people to recognize when they're playing mentac and the 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 leverage slash um value conversation to me is really important and i think that is where the idea of pillage tokens was born oh sure so yeah, pillage yeah, yeah. tokens is a thing that became very popular on tabletop simulator um, which is where someone you know says hey i'm not going to pillage that uh that thing or more importantly let me put it a different way it's let's do some weird deal that just exists like hey you're gonna let me take some uh planet and i'm gonna give you a little token that says get out of pillage free later on sure and that's sure. your little that that's a thing you gave someone but if you think about it you didn't give them anything because it's not money that has to ever exist it's not the same as giving them a single trade good you gave them a favor later on so later when sure. they cash in that favor it doesn't even necessarily cost you and i think that's the big reason these pillage tokens became so popular because we're already playing in a mindset that i'm not always gonna pillage and so sometimes you can get a pillage token back from a transaction you may not have even wanted to pillage anyways and in sure. that way you get free favors you get stuff for free you get territory things or whatever you get leverage over other players and it didn't cost you anything at all so uh, the, the pillage token is such an interesting thing to me that has that has built up and become pretty common <laughs> on Tabletop Simulator. It is pretty common. I will say I don't really love them. Sure. Uh, well, because it relies it relies so heavily on debt meta. It is a big, yeah. big debt meta play. And if you're not into debt meta, it gets a little wacky sometimes. Here's how I would incorporate that type of thing. So let's talk about a situation where... Um, uh, let's say round one, I asked for a refresh. I owe someone uh, a a trade good. Uh, and so I give them the token, the, the debt meta token. I'm sorry, Root. Root is probably just like, <laughs> we're incorporating this into the guides now. Really? That's where we're at? Uh, but it, sorry, that's how people play. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't make the rules, uh, I, or I don't make the meta. That's <laughs> that should be a shirt. I don't make the meta. Okay. Um, so basically, what happens is you give someone a token. Now you owe them a trade good in the agenda phase. And when I give people a token, I that what that means is that I gotta save a trade good to give them to pay the debt. Okay, yeah, you gotta. Except for, and I'm kind of ruining this for me now, but I'm not gonna play Mentac for a while. I finished the guide, so I'm not gonna have to do it for a bit, which is a shame because <laughs> I actually love them. Yeah, uh, it's the same with Sardak Nor. It's like I want to play these factions, but I don't yeah. get to anymore. Um. What they have, that token, they think it's a debt meta token. Um, surprise, it's actually a get out of pillage free token. Right. They just don't know that when right. they make the deal. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I go ahead you and are saying I'm going to pay good. you a, yeah, exactly. You're saying I'm going to yeah. pay you a trade good. And instead later you say, I'm not going to cost you a, pay, a trade good. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so what I do is I go ahead and spend the trade goods and then they're like, ah, oh, hey, you owe me that trade good. And I'll be like, hey, how about this? I'll just, I just won't pillage you. Now I could be more honest up front, but yeah. it does feel like if you do say that up front, maybe people find a different value in that. Yeah. But generally speaking, if it's after the fact, people are kind of like, oh yeah, all right, that's fine. So I won't get pillaged in the future. Right. That sounds good. Right. Um, however, I don't really like to give them out 
because I don't like to put myself in a situation where I might break a non-binding yeah. deal. Yeah. If I give a pillage token to somebody like L1, and then I just don't see them trade at all, and we get to the late game, and I got to get me that one trade good to right. win the game. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I feel that way. Yeah. So yeah, I personally, I don't like giving them out, but I will uh, kind of reverse engineer a pillage token sure. out of a situation. Sure. I like it to be within uh, that. I don't I don't like to pledge myself to something else, yeah. basically. So let's get a bit more tactical, Hunter. I, I feel like we have a better sense now of, of what it feels like to play Mentech, and we have kind mm -hmm. of our trajectory in terms of tech. So what is it what is it like to actually play through this mid game we've been kind of talking up for a long time about like oh we're going to get real sure. flashy and get uh, control yeah. objectives early and then sit later. What is how does that truly play out and what are the advantages that we're here to take advantage of? So we're going to use a combination of pre-combat, uh ambush, uh cruiser 2 and action cards to try and take control objectives while they are most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, what's nice about the cruiser too is the options that it affords us. We get to look at a lot of different planets and say, okay, maybe, oh, if I get this one, I win this coin flip over here and then I'll get four of one type or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we go ahead and score secret objectives. We're great at secret objectives. We have a very good reason to get four in one color and our, both our faction tech are in, in a good path, path and yeah. <laughs> we need them and they work and the synergy is there. So that's great. Um, we're not, you know, again, it kind of comes around to the same thing. We're not super great at scoring the control secret objectives. Uh, but I'll I mean, say this, though. I want to really? make a distinction. There's the yeah, planet control secret objectives, and those are tough. Four industrial, four hazardous. That's uh -huh, a little rough. Uh -huh. Mechatol with three ships above it. That's kind of tough for Mentac. But all the other control, the, the space control, like the both wormholes, oh, right. yeah, the three adjacent to anomalies, yep. next to a neighbor, those are a cakewalk for Mentac to achieve. Mm -hmm. So so space control stuff, very easy. Planet control, maybe try to get a new secret objective. Unless you find the range to get to that fourth industrial or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, maybe be a little less worried about holding uh, secret objectives that you can easily score. Um, you know, it's become kind of common practice. Yeah. Uh, Ginger, I think, really popularized it uh, in his semifinal game of when he was playing barony of like keeping a secret objective in your pocket that you can easily score yeah um i don't like that so much as mid tech because generally speaking in the late game it can get tougher for you yeah. i've talked about how the fourth moon helps you stay viable in the late game the fourth moon is one ship meaning right. it can at most be it can help you out in one hex yeah so that, you know, it's not a cure-all. Um, it's not like you magically get more defensive now. Um, so, yeah, be careful with that. Um, and I would say in the mid-game, if you have gone for a tech path where you have not yet gotten uh, salvage operations and mirror computing, you have to do it now. Yes, yeah. um, don't 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 even wait till the late game. We we want to we want to have all of that online because we don't want to get we don't want to have to do something weird like take tech and what ends up being the last round and now we've screwed everything up yep. and we're scoring seventh. Go ahead and get the the text that you have to have in order to win in the late game. Uh, figured out now and also and this is a really important part that i have not brought up at all yet shame mm -hmm. on me um i'm a big proponent of mentac building up the uh the trade goods stack yeah which is another reason why you know when we talked about blue yellow i didn't i don't love the idea of spending all of your 
mirror computing trade goods just on plastic. Yep. Because my idea is you you build up the bank so that you're safe, so that you can score that first stage two. Um, you know, it's like if you have even what you need uh, for sixteen, uh, you need eight. Right. So if you have if eight it's sixteen trade resources, goods, you don't even need that. You need th- you need very you, you have four resources at oh, home. Oh yeah, that's so right. Now you only need twelve dollars. <laughs> so now you only need six trade goods to do right. the resources. Well, but let's let's just say you're playing it really safe. You've got eight trade goods going into what is that round five when the yeah. first stage two comes out. Yep. If that stage two is you know any if, even if it's ten trade goods, well you're good. Like yep. uh, that's two salvage ops. Even right. if they try and stop you from getting any pillage, which you're going to get pillage anyway. So yep. yeah. So it 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 feels pretty reliable. Obviously the weak points are uh, two and four. That's almost true for everybody. Yeah. Uh, control objectives are going to be hard. Uh, even round five, though, maybe depending on the factions that are at the table, it might not be impossible for you to sneak out some uh, control objectives. So if you have a good action card hand, like there's a lot of synergy that can happen there. Yeah. Um, this I, is I, where I, I want to call attention to your game with Trump SC, though, Hunter, because you talk yeah. about it's difficult for Mentac to score those late those stage two control objectives. But what Mentac is actually kind of uniquely positioned to do is stop everybody else from also scoring those stage two public objectives. In your game, your 10 point game went to round eight because uh for three rounds, you stopped everybody else from also getting the really hard stage twos. Those stage twos are pretty universally difficult and you can throw cruisers out to stop people's ability. You know, you can snipe a carrier. You can snipe someone Mm -hmm. else's flags. Like you can stop people from getting those objectives just as easily if you've positioned them out and about for pillaging, right? You're already all over the map and you can just collapse in on people at a moment's notice. So if you're sitting on those trade good stockpiles, all you have to do, extend it another round make it go another one make it go another one until until the right objective comes out basically you you are actually pretty good at that as mentor yeah well let's say i mean we've kind of already transitioned into the late game yeah, let's okay. say we're talking about the late game right now this is the late game cruiser 2 strikes back yeah hunters making his stand for cruiser 2 right now because what you just described i feel like is excellent um mentac can really stay viable if you just think about space battles yep. if you start thinking about fighting on the ground it, it gets a little different so what do you do with this okay yeah maybe you're maybe you're still pretty good at stopping people from scoring uh their objectives while basically having a bank of trade goods in order to score uh, a pretty large selection of stage twos yeah how 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 is that supposed to translate to a victory well Something I've been doing, and this is, we're now in very specific territory, so feel free to errata to your heart's content. Mm -hmm. However, I really like this, and I feel like it has worked well for me Uh, at about round four or round five, however your game is kind of going. I like to just take control of the speaker token and basically not let go. I'll take politics, give myself the speaker token, take politics the next round, move the speaker token up to the right of me, I'll take politics again. Like, I'll just hang on to it, because the idea is I've already banked my stage twos, I do not have to take any other strategy cards until we are at the last round of the game. So you just take control of the speaker token and spend all of your time playing mean action cards, 
uh, moving your cruiser twos around in ways to either gum up other people's works and mess up their ability to score objectives or destroy their um, destroy their fleets with a combination of fourth moon or just well-placed uh, cruiser two attacks in order to mess up their ability to score stage twos. It's kind of sad because you do kind of end up, you make the game go long because yeah. you're just kind of like, you're you're like matching the objectives to your game, not the other way around. Right. Now, notably, we opened this episode with me talking about this not working in my uh, fourteen pointer <laughs> with Jayhan. Right. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm saying uh, it is a reliable way that is going to win a lot of games. It's not going to win every game. Right. Well, uh, and, and the Jayhan like game is unique because Jayhan eliminated someone and like really specifically had a well protected home system kind of all game. Um, mm-hmm. If you are able to combo this with throughout the game, kind of being like, "Hey, we don't need to let anybody get away with anything." Like, if if you're get, if you're helping coordinate the table against other players at all moments, you can be slowly weakening everyone throughout the game. Jahan was at such a far ahead position by that point; it's like a totally different conversation. But there's yeah. plenty of other games where Mentech is right there, neck and neck with everybody else. And as long as they can just keep slowing everybody down, in in our game where the win making scenario caused a lot of craziness, but in that game, Duke Lukem could have pulled out a win. Um, Extra right. could have as well, just to just to throw it out there. But Duke Lukem had a path. Just even with he was getting crushed all game. He was sitting on not much plastic, but he was locking in economic objectives. He was locking in all this other stuff, and then he had stuff spread out enough that he could then make these targeted precision strikes to pull stuff off and he was going to do some damage to me and maybe prevent me from being able to score my point and then win himself that round there, there was a path to victory for him in that 14 point game right just like in your 10 point game with trump sc you didn't have a path didn't have a path waited 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 and then in the end found the path like you 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 stalled mm-hmm. everybody else out to finally find that locked in path the key i think to all of this is part of that later mid game is you do need to make sure you've secured your your home system like the very first thing you do after you lock in like yeah, a decent right, trade good right. stockpile is get plastic on the board to defend yourself and and gum up those works and build a decent amount of stuff on your home system make sure you are a bit impervious um if right. you if you've been out and about with your flagship round five is a good time to pull it back home or near home or whatever right that's yeah. when you decide yeah. to start being defensive with your flagship so yeah i i think the point is your whole goal is to set up a scenario where you do coast into the victory um and that coasting is comboed with hurting everyone else, slapping everyone right, in the face, and right. making sure they don't coast into a victory, which you yeah. can do. You are you are pretty good at stopping people from scoring uh, objectives. Uh, mostly, and when I say that, I mean control, especially control objectives if they haven't got the infantry on the ground yet. Yeah. Once they get the infantry on the ground, but. you're pretty limited, okay? <laughs> yeah. You can pull this cool salvage ops play we talked about at the beginning of the episode, but beso- beyond that, there's not a there's not a lot of options sure. that you have. Um and I'm I'm willing to concede that. Yeah. And I also another thing I have to state is that if you try and take control of the speaker token, this will involve you having to give the speaker token to somebody else. Yep. So you have to make sure that they can't win. Yeah, that's the number Otherwise, one person you have to work. put a stopper on. You, you, mm-hmm. and and that goes for. I'm I'm actually a big fan of the the holding speaker token all game thing, like from round one on. But the big 
linchpin to that plan is you got to keep the person to your right and to your left in check more than anybody else because the person to your left is second or third pick every single round and that second or third pick is really first or second because you continue to take politics so they're getting whatever they want so you have to be super careful of the person to your left and the person to your right is every other turn first pick so you got to really make sure you're keeping them at bay that's a that's an interesting idea of doing it the whole game. I do feel like Mentech is probably not the no. best candidate no, for definitely that. Not. Be- yeah, because not, their not early all. game is not like that. We're going solid. to talk about that plan next week in our sure. Sorrel guide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, anyways, that's gonna wrap up the Mentech business. Uh, I, I feel good about this one. It's it's a new day. It's a new dawn for for Mentech. Um, and the 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 <laughs> round one cruiser two rush is no longer a thing, but we found a better we found a better way. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm excited by it, and I think it's a good way to to really solidify Mentax's position as this weird faction that doesn't seem to perform well in tournaments, but like has all of the tools of a really good faction. I think that's why people get so upset with when we like we specifically ranked them low this la- this this year mm-hmm. in our tier list mm-hmm. but with the exception that it wasn't a low ranking that tier was why aren't they better right that was how right. we kind of put them and i think that is continually how people tend to feel about mentech and i think the biggest thing is that meta thing they 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 do poorly because they don't get their hands around the meta and and don't let that stop them well, I will say this: if yellow blue works, I think it would change. Yeah, it would change the math a lot. And yeah. I think, obviously, if you were to take this guide, so let's say somebody trusts what I'm saying, they're like, "Okay, I I, I believe this guide." Then, if I were to say, then why Mentac doesn't perform that well is it sounds like these strategies are too specific. Yeah, and uh, so if you if you basically agree with me and that this is valid then I would say the flaw of it is this is a this is too specific compared to something like a, a real top four faction, yeah. like Sol or Jolnar. Or like, it's not that Mentech just excel at this big swath of the game, like yeah. tech. Right. Like they just excel at, the, right. it's not like that. No. It's more specific, more focused than that. So I think that's where it can all get kind of lost. I think the if fact, you're a player like, mantis or or these people who are routinely talked about as being some of the best players around i think those are the players that are going to capitalize on blue yellow but if it's your second time playing mentac blue yellow isn't going to do really what you need it to do yet that's that's kind of how i think about it is this guide is for everybody that isn't a finalist in a huge tournament (laughs) the finalists get to do weird stuff because they have all these other equations going on in their head but uh right but for your standard reliable mentac game that's where i stand behind this guide oh yeah no you'll 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 crush your local group of like (laughs) you'll crush those noobs with this with this mentac strategy you'll make mentac the best in your local group for sure and i think every once in a while you might you might win a you might win a game with with real hardcore players with with this strategy but yeah definitely it's definitely not foolproof all right. Well, I want to first of all thank all of the supporters of our Patreon. Every level, every every person in the the Space Cats Nation. That's something <laughs> I've just made up. The, hey, Space Cats Nation. Yeah, the Space Cats b- litter box. Thank y'all. <laughs> thank y'all for your turds. Oh no. Um, <laughs> um, 
That I, I said turds. I don't like that. Oh. Um, anyways, I'm old to say that. 30 years old saying turds uh, <laughs> publicly for f- yucks. Trying to get you to laugh using the word turds. That's like, what is it? Is this Beavis and Butthead? Um, so we got a Galactic Council um, vote going on right now. Um, it is in the second round. Uh, this uh, episode is going to come out on uh, June 2nd, fingers crossed. We haven't had a lot of luck there lately. Um, here are the here are your two choices. Uh, you can either vote for us to do a 14-point invitational overview where we talk about this last weekend and the finals that are coming up on what day, Matt? The 30th, do you have May it? 30th, yes. next Sunday, uh, or uh, Saturday, excuse me, next Saturday. Uh, it's in the morning in America. It's like it's like 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. I think it's 1700 Yard. UTC. Question yeah. Mark. All right, so that'll be the one, but the, the underdog... Uh, if you want to vote for them, mm-hmm. is uh, homebrew ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the way this episode is going to work is we just take a bunch of homebrew ideas from the community and we talk about each of them. It's probably not going to win. It nope. looks like it looks bad for it right now. <laughs> Someday it will win. I promise. Uh-huh. Um, I'm kind of on its side suddenly. Oh, um, interesting. I like, I like underdogs. I know um, why. Actually, it's not even an underdog thing. You keep talking more and more about how you want to talk about your. Uh, your homebrew faction and i think you're getting more and more excited about that the notion (laughs) that you get to present yours (laughs) the family is what they're called that's what i call them for now um so uh we have another vote the hunter donaldson fan club uh is voting for what i will stream on may 29th um there are two options left uh either i will play and i actually think the the voting is pretty tight right now so if you want to if you want to get your vote in this is this is a good time to do it but this will be streaming on may 29th i normally do it around 6 p.m pacific time um your two options are i play uh frankendraft i I basically i'll just try and join in on franken friday if they'll have me Uh, also little note to all the franken friday people do you have a spot for me because i'd like to play (laughs) i Um, don't want to play (laughs) please uh the other option is I pay, I play a variant called Pick a Planet, mm-hmm. which is where uh, all the planets are detached from the hexes, and you just like build new hexes like with the planets. It's pretty odd. Yeah. I don't even really understand the rules to it, but it's yeah, I don't know thing. how the drafting works. But imagine a scenario where instead of Aranam Mir as a system, you had Aranam Grawl. Right. Yes. And, and you get to do that with all the planets. You just get to make up new combinations um, and it totally changes the flow of like where traits are and where the text skips kind of make sense. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems intriguing. Um, but yeah. obviously Franken is also incredible. Yeah, this one is neck and neck too. It is off by a single vote. Um, so anyone in there could could ch- change the favor. So get in there with the, the Hunter Donaldson fan club and make your voice heard. Yeah. So um, Twitch and YouTube updates um every every friday at four i'm probably gonna be playing XCOM for a while uh it was we did it yesterday it was really fun um the first episode of it is up on youtube um they're not someone asked me if i'm like editing them like how people do when it's like really cool i wish i had time to do that maybe i will eventually get there Mm. um to edit it to where it's like just the really good jokes and stuff but for now i'm kind of it really is just a stream that i've i've thrown up on youtube yeah the Um, difference too is this xcom stuff is with two of your other like professional or semi-professional comedian friends and so i would say the jokes per minute are still pretty high like it's not it's not your normal let's play with someone who's like funny enough but plays video games like these are three people that are primarily being 
funny. So like I, I was even just checking out the last stream on the Twitch, which I, you know, episode two will get up on the YouTube eventually. But like, it's kind of nonstop anyways, <laughs> yeah. without any, any editing. <laughs> That's true. Um, so that'll be every Friday uh, at 4 p.m. on our uh, Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash turtles. Um, I have a Goodyear Brotherhood game I'm going to play tomorrow that is going to be on stream. Um, and then I'll get you um, the schedule in the next episode for um, for next week. Yeah. Um, and expect the second episode of XCOM to be up on the YouTube next week, uh, along with another uh, Twilight Imperium game. I haven't decided which one I'm going to throw up next. If this Goodyear Brotherhood game goes well, it'll probably be that one. Gotcha. Um, yeah, there you go. I want to thank our Space Kitties and our Weird Bears from our Patreon. I want to thank our Weird Bears, Farganus, Brian, Pink, Billy and TG Welch. And I want to wow. thank our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience as a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, Julian, Rwise, Hippie Peace Turtles, Rekka, Gazkio, Strict Nine, Dark Jutsu, More Tension, and Bot Bot. Those tiers are getting popular and it rules yeah. to get to hang out with all those folks. We've been pretty far behind on Good Yid and Brotherhood games, um, which these people would all often be a part of, but I'm really happy that like we're starting to catch back up on that because I very much missed playing with the Goodyear Brotherhood. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they are some yes, yes, jovial yes. folks that I've never regretted playing with. Uh, you yes. can also follow us at Space Cats Pod on Twitter, Space Cats Peace Turtles on Facebook. You can find us on basically anywhere you find podcasts. You're listening to it right now, aren't you? Go rate us while you're here, while you're hanging out. Uh, you can give us a five-star rating and, and let us know that we have the best XCOM stream on Twitch. Uh, I also want you to join our Discord where we're doing all sorts of fun conversations. Uh, fun little note, if you are a part of the Patreon and you haven't seen your Discord benefits yet, it's because it's a setting inside of Patreon. You got to go to your Patreon account settings, activate your Discord account on there, and then you're going to be able to get access to all the extra fun uh, channels that are on our Discord to be a part of all the fun business that's going on over there. Yeah, so the best joke from the XCOM game uh, is that I've so I've been making uh, members of our Patreon as soldiers in my XCOM squad, <laughs> which is something. So this is just something that I so do. So you're killing I, our Patreoners is what so you're doing. So I kind of play, I play XCOM the way a lot of people play The Sims. <laughs> uh, it's really just The Sims for me with uh, with uh, beefy soldier people. And more uh, death. And, yeah, and a, lo- and a lot more death. Um, and anyways, I made uh, Billy our weird bear, um, and I, uh, so I do have this weird XCOM tactic where I like to just put someone on a roof where they'll just be up there. They don't even have, they don't even have to have cover. They'll just stand up there. And what I like to do is when I find some aliens, I'll scoot them to where they could just barely see them. And then they take a shot from elevation, which you get bonuses on. Uh, it's kind of risky though, cause they have no cover. And, uh, I just want to throw out that probably my favorite, um, audience joke thus far is uh, hashtag roof gang. Um, so, so please watch XCOM for more hashtag roof gang. Um, uh, and, and I'm sure that eventually there'll be a hashtag roof squad mm-hmm. um, where it's basically just a squad of soldier people that only get up on roofs yeah. uh, is my plan. And also um, just to tease next week, um, the beginning of next week's episode is going to be what I'm calling the creation of mommy squad um, <laughs> where all the moms. Uh, it's, it's all moms. Um, and, and actually they, the, the soldiers don't yet have names. Uh, so if your mom has a really great 
mommy sounding name and you want to submit it, Deborah. just hit me up on Discord. Yeah, Deborah. <laughs> so if you want your mom in uh, in Mommy Squad, uh, let me know because um, there's basically a con. It's it's going to start with the Mommy Squad contest. Uh, where these these women are gonna are gonna duke it out, and we're gonna see who survives. Hopefully, they all do. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have five new mommies for Mommy Squad. <laughs> Best Mommy Squad podcast. Please rate us and like and subscribe. Same cat time, same cat place. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>